the hand of the Lord came upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, You know. Then He said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as He commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then He said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, I will put my Spirit within you and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God wants to be known. God wants to be known. This passage from Ezekiel makes clear that God is reaching out. Listen to these phrases just from these first few verses. In, in verse 1, the hand of the Lord came upon me. In verse 2, He led me. In verse 3, He said to me. Then in verse 4, then He said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear. Hear the word of the Lord. God wants to be known. These actions that we read about in this passage from Ezekiel demonstrate that God is reaching out to God's people, reaching out to build a relationship, reaching out so the people can trust even in desperate circumstances that God wants to be with them. This chapter 37 
Ezekiel says, was in a time of prayer or spiritual connection where he had this conversation with God. And during the conversation, God shows him this vision of this valley that's full of dried bones. Ezekiel's trying to figure out what to make of this. It helps us to remember that Ezekiel is the priest to the Israelites in exile. That this book is written during the 500s BCE. The Israelites have been conquered. The Babylonians have come and overrun them and taken any of them that they wanted back to Babylon. And now they live in exile. And Ezekiel, in the midst of those terrible circumstances, is continuing to try to encourage them in faith. He wants them to believe that even though they're facing circumstances that are out of their control, that God is still with them. But you can hear the state of the people when you get to that 11th verse. In verse 11, Ezekiel says, Then the Lord said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. The people are feeling defeated. They no longer get to choose where they live or with whom they live. Somebody else is in charge and has taken over. This foreign power has come upon them and now destroyed their way of life. And as far as they can tell, there is no way back. They're having trouble seeing that there's any hope for the future. And that's when Ezekiel has this vision. When the people are feeling so completely defeated. I was working on the sermon this week. I began to have a memory of a time when I was eight years old. I had not thought of this for years and years, but as I was reading this passage... I began to remember this story. My family had moved from where I had lived the first eight years of my life to another part of town, still in my my same hometown, but a different house. And in this particular neighborhood, there was a little corner grocery store just three blocks from my house. Then that Christmas, I got a new red Swin bicycle. Things were looking up in my life. New house, new neighborhood, new bicycle. By the summer, I had pretty well mastered riding this bike. It was an afternoon. My mom was doing some baking and she realized she was out of eggs. I saw a great opportunity to show how grown up I was. I volunteered to go get the eggs. I said, Mom, jump on my bike. I'll be back in a flash. She said, okay. She gave me just enough money for the eggs. I jumped on my bike, raced down to the store, went inside, found the eggs, made the purchase, got back to my bicycle. And that's when it dawned on me that I had never ridden my bicycle with anything in my hands. And I began to try to figure out how I was going to hold the eggs and steer the bike. It was a little more complicated than I had thought about. 
I tried it several different ways. Finally, I decided if I would wrap that brown paper bag that the carton of the eggs was in around that last handlebar and hold really tight that I could steer my bike and get back home. And so I started off and I was about halfway back. I could see my house. I thought I was there. And then the next thing I know, somehow that sack got out of my hand, fell to the ground, and I heard the eggs crack. And I was crushed. I thought, oh, no, I have failed my first big responsibility for my mom. And now it's all terribly ending in this situation. I'm standing in the street with busted eggs. I was so defeated. I just walked my bike the next half block to the house, walked in and confessed to my mom through my tears that I had failed and I dropped the eggs and they had cracked. She said, Where's the sack? I said, well, back up on the street. While she comforted me, she sent my older brother to go see if he could salvage the eggs. He took off and was back in a flash. And as it turned out, only a couple of the eggs had cracked. And the rest of them were just fine. I was redeemed in a sense. I moved a little bit from feeling like a total failure to maybe not a total failure, just a partial one. (laughs) Have you been in that situation, though? (laughs) All right. We've got a revival breaking out. (laughs) The congregation is with me. All right. So we've had people, we've been in that situation where we felt like a failure, where we felt defeated. Have you ever felt that defeated? We have one, (laughs) maybe many more, because in life, so many things that happen sometimes come over us and all of a sudden we move from everything's fine to I'm a failure or I'm embarrassed or I'm humiliated or I have failed in one way or another. It might be with a breach of trust with a loved one or with a business partner. It might be some public embarrassment that we are enduring. It might be some mistake that we have made that those around us have found egregious. Sometimes it's because somebody else is attacking us and trying to make us feel miserable and defeated. Sometimes we experience the loss of a loved one through death or addiction or disease. And it's just so overwhelming that we feel like our lives are defeated in a way where we cannot see the future. We cannot see how we can go on. Sometimes someone questions our very worth or worthiness to even be alive. And we feel the humiliation. Christian theology says that We are all in this together, that we are all human and therefore all vulnerable to these kinds of experiences. And therefore, we all stand in need of God's grace. Dr. Roberta Bondi was our Barton Clinton Gordy lecturer a few weeks ago. We've been using her book to pray and to love where she talks about the early monastic teachers 
those Christians who moved into different kinds of communities or out into the desert to try to learn what it means to be a child of God and to live a life that was full of love of God and love of neighbor. In one section in the book where she's talking about this balance between seeing ourselves as a person created in the image of God and yet also seeing ourselves as a sinner, she writes what I think is a very insightful paragraph. I want to read these few lines to you. She writes, Cultivating the virtue of seeing ourselves as sinners is a major source of healing the wounds of judgmentalism in our hearts. Seeing myself to be a sinner does not mean learning to say habitually, I am no good. Such a state of mind, in fact, prevents love by making us feel powerless, dangerously vulnerable, and cut off from other people. Rather, knowing that I am a sinner means taking seriously the knowledge that we all do or at least are capable of terrible things. The monastic teachers were quite certain that it is not possible to love other people unless we understand at a very deep level that our human failings in the area of love put us all in the same boat. Now, we're not in as desperate circumstances as the exiles. And we may not even be in a situation where we're feeling like a failure or feeling defeated right now. But we are all in the same boat in that we all need God's help, love, and mercy. In verse 3, Ezekiel told us in our reading today that God said, To him, mortal, can these dry bones live? And he said, Oh, Lord God, you know. He wasn't sure if the dry bones could live. But he knew that if they were going to live, it was going to be because God made them live. For he understood that God is the creator of all that is. The creator of heaven and earth. So if these people who had lost hope, who were feeling so defeated and cut off, were going to make a comeback, it would only be because God helped them. That God would be the one that would make them live again. Only God could be the one that could bring good out of these desperate circumstances and raise these dry bones back into life. Of course, the passage says over and over that the Lord God said to him, that can happen. That graves can be opened and people can be raised. And here we are in the season of Lent, just two weeks from Easter, and we can hear a foreshadowing of the story that we'll be rehearsing and remembering and hopefully embodying just a couple of weeks from now. But the great good news from this passage that we can hear today is that God is at work. God is at work to help us, to raise us up when we feel defeated, to give us new life when we can't see 
a way forward to give us hope for a future. This passage says God can and will do this. Did you hear all of those kind of action verbs in verse 5? Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And again in verse 6, I will do this. And, And then up in verse 12, I am going to open the graves. Oh, my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Down in verse 14, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. God can. God will. God is working to bring us hope and to bring us life. And is reaching out to us so that we might know that God is the Lord of life. It's a powerful call to us to look at ourselves and to look at our life and to consider what we believe. And to see if in fact we trust God even in desperate circumstances. And there's an interesting thing here in this passage which suggests that God is not just speaking to each one of us individually, but each one of us as part of the greater community. Throughout this passage, the you that is used is plural. In verse 11, it makes it clear that God is talking about the whole house of Israel, all of the people together. Or there in verse 12 where God is speaking and says, oh, my people. He's talking to the whole community. He's saying that he's going to raise the whole community, that his spirit will be put into the whole community and they will all know life and they will all know the Lord. Verse 13, and you shall know that I am the Lord. It's an opportunity for us to think about. Do we know the Lord in that way? Do we trust God in that way? That gets translated into Christianity most often in the metaphor of the body of Christ. St. Paul talks about in several of his letters that this notion, this metaphor of the body of Christ means that God cares about each and every one of us as individuals, but also is working with us as a whole community and that we need to think of ourselves as connected and as a part of the whole community. Just make a note in 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to read more about it, there's a long passage. I'm going to read you just a few of the verses to give you a sense of that. You may remember this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Can you hear the communal sense of our faith? From Ezekiel, but also from St. Paul, that God wants to work with all of us together. 
I think it is fair to say that knowing the Lord is more than an individual enterprise. It happens within the community of faith. It focuses us on love of God and love of neighbor. It's never just me and God. It's me and God, but with the whole community. We love God and we love one another at our best as Christians. It recognizes that we are all connected and therefore we all have or are called to have a care and a love and an intimacy with everybody in the body. That's why Anthony, who's considered the founder of monasticism, can teach what I use as our title for our sermon today, where he says our life and death are with our neighbor. He says when you have built a loving relationship with your neighbor, you are connected to God because of that. And if you scandalize or judge your neighbor, then you've not just sinned against them, you've sinned against Christ. Because we're all a part of the body of Christ. At a time of prayer a few weeks ago, I was contemplating my call to full-time ordained ministry. And I was kind of thinking about discernment and prayer and the ability to hear God and sort of began to focus on this call I had sensed as a young adult and how I was able to hear that and respond to that. And for a while, I was just focused on that connection between God and me. But then I began to think, oh, it's so much bigger than that. It's not just God and me. I begin to think about the people who raised me and prayed for me. My parents. My grandparents. My aunts and uncles. My older brother and sister. All praying for me from the time I was born. Then I began to think about how many of my local church preachers through the years had prayed for me. And I didn't even know it. Or how about my Sunday school teachers who had prayed for me? And then I began to think of my youth sponsors during my teenage years and my camp counselors and how many of them had prayed for me and how many friends I had had that had said they would pray for me. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, you don't hear that call alone. And it's not even right to say you hear it because you're connected with God. You hear it because you're a part of the community of faith. I was remembering being baptized as an infant. Not that I remember the baptism, but ever since I can remember my family telling me you were baptized. You are a part of the church. You're a part of the community of faith. It struck me with a, a new force how important that is to be able to affirm I am part of a community. I am part of the living body of Christ, we are all in this together. Ezekiel proclaims that God's love is being poured out upon the dry bones, upon the whole house of Israel, upon all the people so that everyone may live, so that everyone may know the Lord. Ezekiel says that God revealed to him saying, I will put my spirit within you all, and you shall live. Amen.